Hey, 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 welcome to another thrilling episode of The Dork Knight. We're going to play things a little bit differently. So when we have our recording sessions, uh, Justin, Brandon, and myself, we normally have like a huge like dork out session prior to recording. And uh, I've been able to record some of these before we actually started doing the actual recording. So uh, it's a lot of fun conversation. I hope you enjoy. And uh, here we go. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of that man. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. That makes you, I guess, qualified to do this podcast, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I, I didn't... I'm not fucking throwing on bad pajamas and jumping off rooftops, but sure. How do we know you haven't? You know, I mean, who would I like? Like Batman had Joe Chill as like a focal point. Like, what do I? How do I punch cancer in the mouth? Like, I don't. I thought that was that was a thing that they were doing. No, that was stand up to cancer. So <laughs> I'd punch cancer in the mouth. Fuck cancer. Old timey yeah. boxing stance, like. Uh, <laughs> Like in that movie, The Quest. You guys remember that one? The Quest? James Remar in The Quest, right? My God. Yeah, I saw that in the theaters because we couldn't get in to see The Craft. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I won, but... <laughs> it's a Pyrrhic victory at best. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, real Occam's razor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen the qu I must have seen the quest. Okay, so the quest is the movie with John Claude Van Damme who um oh. he, he is going to do like a tournament in like Thailand or something like that in like the 1930s or 20s or something like that. And James Remar is like this world famous boxer and uh he beats up James Remar. So it's like, "Oh, okay. You can now go and and be in this big kumite or something like that in my place." You know, and of course he does like a guile upside down kick like the flash kick and all that so it's like <laughs> it's it's insanity but it's like classic mid-90s Jean-Claude Van Damme before uh what was it maximum exposure and before double team and double so team. Oh yeah God. so it's like it's like it fits in nicely and you're like yes it's not quite hard target but I like it you know before, before time cop <laughs> it is um, after time cop yes so um after he didn't have the mullet Oh, okay. It's um, after Universal Soldier as well. So. Really? And yes, Cyborg. I know okay. too much about this subject. I'm sorry. Did you I, watch his Amazon series? JCVD? Uh, I, saw the, I saw the movie. I didn't watch the series. The series. Oh, no, no. Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jean-Claude. Yes, yeah. I did. It was yeah. goofy. I loved it. <laughs> I did, too. I, I, was a little, I was a little saddened when it wasn't you know picked up fully, yeah. but, you know. Whatever, I got the tick for two seasons, so that was... Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, I'm like, you're sad about that, but we didn't get enough of the friggin' tick. Yep. 
I loved that rendition of the tick. I absolutely adored it. Yep. I mean, talk about Batman. It was clear to me that, I mean, to me, that uh, Peter Serafinowicz was was doing a, a, a roundabout impression of Adam West. Oh, and clearly. Was, yeah. Chum. Yeah. I, 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 oh, by the way, the tick animated series uh, is uh, uh, available in its entirety on Hulu now. Really? Ooh, yeah. I uh, I turned on Hulu last night. Yeah, last night because uh, went to go watch uh, Star Girl, and right there on the front page, the home page, uh, down below, like, hey, would you like to check this out? And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, that's wait, wait a fucking minute. The tick is back. The tick is on here because for the longest time, the only place you could find it streaming was like you know pirated or on YouTube or what have you, and. Nah. But at least now, like, granted, it was still done in like four three uh, aspect ratio, so you know you, you're gonna get a little bit of that. I'd, I'd still watch it, but it's gonna be far better than anything you're gonna see on on like YouTube or, or whatever. Like I said, so come um, with us, Itlan. It's been so long since I've seen it, so and it's it's fucking crazy because I moved to Brockton from Charlestown in Boston and I had never seen a New England comics before in my life and we ended up with one literally right down the street from me it became my mainstay I, I, I found out that I was one of the only kids that the manager of the store actually liked because when I came in like I actually asked about comics and like wanted to know stuff and I didn't just like rifle around and get my fucking smudgy little fingerprints on everything um but when I walked in, I, I, I saw all kinds of stuff for The Tick because The Tick started off as a character for NEC, yep. for New England Comics. Ben Enlin actually worked for New England Comics. And he's still, like, the character is still licensed to them. They still use The Tick all the time, and they actually publish the comics. And um, I had never seen anything about it before. And the next thing I knew, like, you got to think, this was, like, 1990 that I moved to Brockton. I saw that, and then the next thing I knew, there was a fucking cartoon about it. I was like, whoa! And, you know, as a kid, I was like, wow, that's crazy! That thing's, like, brand new, and they already made a cartoon! Because, you know, things didn't exist before I did. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just really cool to, like, have this, com this uh, comic book character cartoon on that was, like, mired in the store literally down the street from me, and nobody fucking knew it. Like, I remember talking about it with kids in, in school, and they were like, what? Dude, he's so huge now, and it's like that was just not like if that had been the one thing that Ben Edlin did with his life, it would have been fine. Like, oh wow, what an accomplishment! And then it's like, yeah, well, he also did Supernatural. Whoa, you know, it's like all these other things. He's worked with a lot of people on a lot of different things. Definitely. I mean, he uh, he he was called in by Joss Whedon to, of all things, to work on uh, Doctor Horrible's sing along blog. Oh, I didn't know he was part of that. Yeah. Um, look at all the different villains and stuff. Yeah, we, we can't talk about that with Patrick because he just doesn't like... I know. You know, and I, as much as I try, it's like, do you have to say fuck Joss Whedon every episode? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I love Firefly. <laughs> Listen, I love Firefly, and, like, I really enjoyed Buffy and Angel when they were on. Same. And, I mean... It's not all him. It, there's so many other hands in there. You know, Brian K. Vaughn wrote, like, uh, some of the season eight Buffy stuff. Drew Goddard was involved with so much of that shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's Pat how he came, too, I think. Yeah, that's how he came up. 
you know what I mean? It's Nathan Fillion. You know that's it, where it, he came it, from. Yeah, I and the thing is, I get, I get currently, currently being like, you know, fuck Joss Whedon or whatever. You, you know what I mean? But like, I don't know to to do this whole like years spanning like fuck Joss Whedon thing. I'm like, I don't see why you said that up until like the past few years. Yeah. I, I I just I I think you can separate. You know, like when we talk about Bob Kane. You know, you could separate the creation from the creator and all that, you know, and it's like we, we know he's a piece of garbage and that he totally screwed over Bill Finger and all that. But it's like you're not going to hate the product because of that. That's actually a really good analogy. I mean, you could even I, I you know what? I'll fucking say it's a patent. I'll 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 fucking wedge it into a conversation. <laughs> I'll I'll do it. And when, <laughs> well, when like, you're on a show next, but when he's like, you know, fuck Joss Whedon, like, Hey, you know, listen, man, like I, I, I get it. Like I'm on the, I'm on the, like Joss Whedon has a, turned out to be a piece of shit train. I, I get that. But like when it comes to like, pr- like previous to that, I, I'm a little confused and I'll let him explain, you know, what his, what his thought process is. And I'll be like, all right. I mean, I get if you think he's a piece of shit or whatever and, and, and all that, but you know, and I'll use I'll use your example. Like, you know, you think you I know you love Batman, but do you think Bob Kane was a piece of shit? Yes. But you still like yeah, Batman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So do you do you not enjoy things with Batman in them where he's either part of it or it's it's Batman as the central protagonist? No. Because you're able to separate the art from the artist. I just don't understand why you're not capable of doing that with Joss Whedon. Yeah, you know, when you Firefly when you put, is so entertaining. Yeah. You know? I love I, I love that show and so entertaining. I was crestfallen. Yeah. I was crestfallen when when it didn't get picked up. But I mean, I knew it was going to happen because it was on Friday nights. Well, you also know? they played it out of order. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's never helpful. Also, I I will say this: I don't think the opening theme song did it any favors. I was listening to uh, another podcast that had an interview with um, Adam Baldwin on it, and he said that it was a, it was a good mix of things. Both of those things were brought up, and he said that's what most people think. But realistically, one of the things that killed it was the um, invention and implementation of American Idol. And because of that, and because of how everything was pushed to get the American Idol schedules going and all that, it just kept pushing things off, and it made the the viewership for TV completely different and it changed things so much to where they, they had no chance. So it it was just um, like, that was, they, they were DOA after that because they're like, well, we have to get, you know, three days of American idol or something like that. And there's gotta be a clip show in this. So it's like, and it's just like, yeah. So they just, they just absolutely tanked it because that was the first year the first season, 2002. So, Mm. well, I mean, as much as I love, all those shows in Serenity the movie, I, I will say Dollhouse fucking was not good. I prefer um what was it, uh VR with uh Sydney Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> VR five. VR five, yeah. VR five. That's not a Joss Whedon thing, but yeah, that's I got a, it, you. that was a Fox yeah. show though. <laughs> it was a Fox show, yeah. And and Dollhouse was weird and it was um it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, is she always different? I'm like, what's the goal here? You know, I, I got it. It's it was just, it was it was just a little too out there. That might have worked better as like a cable show. 
or a WB well cable show for sure. I mean, yeah. it it seemed to me like they were trying to recreate Alias, which that was was that at the same time as Alias. Uh, I don't know. I never watched Alias. I never watched Alias either. I'm not going to claim to have watched Alias. Yeah. So I, I was, my statement. I was very surprised way after the fact to find out that Victor Garbo was on Alias. I was like, what, yeah, he what? was like, he was like one of the main people. He was her father, I, I yeah. think. Yeah. I, was, I found I found that out. I was like, hold on, how did I not know that Jesus was in? Yeah, this? I was like, the guy from Godspell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, it uh, blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I I never I never really got into it. And that and Felicity were the only two reasons why I knew J.J. Abrams' name for like the longest time. I was like, if oh, he ever, if he ever touches a Batman movie, heaven help us. You know, You're like oh, here's Batman. And he's listening to the Beastie Boys. Okay, listen, <laughs> listen, listen I think I think that J.J. Uh, Abrams. I think he knows the things that are inherently like fitting to his style, and I don't think he would do a Batman movie because he doesn't really go that dark. You, you know what I mean? I don't. I think if anything, he would say like, "Yeah, okay, if you want bad robot productions, we'll produce this, but like, we'll get we'll find somebody that's like the right fit for this project." You, you know what I mean? I liked his Star Trek movie, and. I liked the second Cloverfield, which was what ten Cloverfield Lane. I am really hard pressed to think of a second or a third. I guess did he do Super Eight? Yes. I liked Super Eight, so maybe that's three movies. I I don't hate um, the Force Awakens, but it's like in general, I find his movies just kind of lackluster. I'm like, all right, you made a thing. <laughs> I watched it. That's you got my money, you know. Uh. I I'm I think he's a good fit for a Superman production. I I, I think I think is Superman a, a Midwestern girl who moves to the uh, the city to uh, try her hand in um, like fashion or something? Yep, that's why oh, her okay. name is <laughs> Superman. Uh, but no, I I actually do think that that his style and and his leanings storytelling wise uh, makes sense for a Superman movie. Um, uh, he he goes Spielbergian a lot, where he he likes to lean into hope, and that's certainly the kind of thing you want uh, behind a Superman movie, uh, Superman project. That definitely makes sense for um, like a sci-fi too, like a Star Wars and Star Trek for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm -hmm. and uh, that's why I, I'm I'm happy to hear that he's involved with the production. Uh, I, I actually I do I, I bring it up but I try to cut him some slack for the the god awful draft that he wrote for for Superman Flyby back when McDree was gonna do it. Um, it was a first draft, which first drafts are never ever like what's used. It's it's always just a framework to get to the other bigger ideas. Um, but it got leaked online and was eviscerated because it was. Terrible. And, uh, that, that reminds me of when that Deadpool script got out. Like the, uh, it was like an animated Deadpool done by Donald Glover. That oh, was yeah. uh, that was fun. Yeah, but you know, it's I mean, it, it was just I, I I actually still have the link saved to Moriarty um, reviewing it on ain'titcool.com, and uh, I will always and forever link to that when people start talking about Superman movies, and I'm like, if you think that if you think what we just got is bad, <laughs> let me show you 
what they were pondering back in 2003. Um, there's a couple of ideas from that that are pretty good, but otherwise it's fucking yeah. awful. I mean, the first problem is that Krypton, you know, doesn't explode. And then they make Superman into a full-blown messianic character. It's great. Like, he leaves to go back to Krypton, which isn't exploded. I, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> he turns into a savior character. It's so bad. And they do uh, make Matrix-style Kryptonian kung fu in midair. And, wow. Uh, yeah, the bad guy was going to end up eventually being Lex Luthor, who was in actuality a Kryptonian. Uh, and who was going to likely be played at that point in time, pre-resurgence in career. By Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, I, I could see that all day. Yeah, but uh, it was it he was, he'd play a better villain than hero any day. Yeah, it was, but it was the only the only thing out of it that I really liked, really really liked, was that the suit was more of like a it was kind of a symbiotic thing, so it, it was in a canister that he found in his parents' closet while he was like using his x-ray vision when he was like 12 to like look through Christmas presents that they had wrapped. And um, he found the canister like way, way back and he couldn't see through it because it's Kryptonian metal. So he, but as soon as he like touches it, it like activates because it's him and it like, it opens and it's the suit, but it's kind of like, like liquidy, like droopy. And all of a sudden, as soon as he like kind of touches it, it like something like goes onto him, but it's for an adult. So it's like sucked on, but it's too big for him. But oh, wow. The next scene is his parents come home for whatever they were doing in town, and they just all of a sudden see, boom, Clark bash through the top of the barn wearing this over-fucking-blown Superman suit. Um, and they're like, okay, well, I guess we have to have a talk. And <laughs> uh, But when he gets older, the suit, you know, it, it, it's it. You know, it's easy to keep on under his clothes and stuff like that because of how it it is physically. Um, but also, it um, obfuscates his identity when he's using it, so he can't figure it out at first because he had never really used it in public. But in the movie, when he shows up in front of people and he's like wearing the suit for the first time, he's like, nobody recognizes me. What the f is going on? And then he gets the explanation like, oh, it, it helps to protect the identity of its wearer for when it, um, suits like this were used for policing on Krypton and blah, 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 for fear of retaliation during riots and this, that, and the other thing. I was like, oh, shit, that's, that makes that's a, a lot good of, idea. That makes yeah. a lot of fucking sense. Uh, and it, it, it takes away from the silliness of, you know, like, oh, he just puts glasses on and nobody recognizes him. Like, I thought that was a really smart way to get around that. Uh, I don't think it's like it overly complicates anything either. It's it's pretty straightforward. So um, the premise of this film is that Clark Kent finds a alien symbiotic suit by looking for his dad's Playboys. I mean, I said Christmas presents, but sure. <laughs> well, let's be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> if it was the 80s or if it was the 90s, you know, it's like not any fucking super mo Superman movie you'll ever see, pal. <laughs> I I, I had an idea for writing a screenplay, and I, I still may do it, but um, it, it's kind of like Stand By Me, but instead of going to look for a dead guy, they're looking for a tree in the woods that someone stuffed full of porn. So, Because there's this legend 
everywhere for like kids when you were growing up everyone's like oh there's this shack and it's full of magazines and stuff and everybody seemed to have this legend it's like one of those things that oh did you hear this he found this that you know so it's like why not make that into a movie one day i didn't have that legend i had the tree oh you you had the actual tree i had the actual tree so you okay maybe maybe i'm fucking ground zero for that shit but yeah we actually had the tree it we hung out it's a thing we hung out I lived on a dead end street and the fence at the end of my street was a chain link. The kids on the next street over always cut a giant hole through it so they could pass through, which worked out fine. It was a, it was a housing development, but they had a basketball court right there. So I just walk out of my house, go through the fucking hole in the fence and play basketball. But then right behind the basketball court was this little section of woods that separated that from the Brockton um, main library East side branch. So that was like my home away from home because I was a giant fucking nerd. But we would hang out in that wooded area between the library and the basketball court. And there was this giant tree. It was fucking gnarly, dude. Like prehistoric, man. Fucking huge. And it had started growing sideways at one point. Like it must have fallen, just kept growing. Gigantic. My friends and I called it The Guardian because of this horror movie that came out um in the early 90s uh it's just it's fucking weird it's like this tree spirit tries to take a couple's baby it, it's schlock but if you ever get the chance check it out <laughs> um but we called it the guardian based on this giant gnarly tree in the movie and there was another smaller tree like if you were facing like to the right of it that for some reason somebody always hid their porn mags in there and, like, sometimes we'd find, like, some really like, prime stuff. And You're like, I, whoa! And that other time... <laughs> I'm only nine! And then, for real, like, spot on. And then other times we'd find some really weird stuff. <laughs> like, You're like, what the hell is this? Magazine still, but, like, <laughs> like uh, this is... What? <laughs> like, why does... Why does that... Why does that girl have a penis? <laughs> like, yeah, it was like weird shit, dude. And um, but yeah, like we, it was it was regular. Like we we would find stuff fairly frequently, and uh, sometimes we'd be like, all right, uh, you you got to take the magazine last time, so I yeah. have this one now. <laughs> like, see, see, you you know of the legend at least, so it's like. You know, some some of us just had the legend to go by where it's like we heard of someone who came from another school who told us about it and he's sure where it was. But then when you followed him there, there was nothing. No, nope, no, nope, it was me, no. me, my friend, Will, Joe, James and my brother, Chris. Uh, it was oh, yeah. uh, Billy two times and yeah. uh, Bobby five, five times. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers, get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then my bud, my buddy, Will. Uh, a couple of years later, this has nothing to do with the tree. He started stealing his his uncle's uh, porn videos <laughs> from him, like his VHS, and selling them to me for like five bucks. And I would stockpile them all year round, right? And then I'd bring them all with me to Boy Scout camp and sell them for thirty dollars each. <laughs> Son of a bitch! Magazines too. It was Did you get great. a medal for that? <laughs> yeah. I would have gotten my I would have <laughs> got my ass kicked out of that fucking camp. That's what I would have gotten. But yeah, I mean, I made money hand over fist, dude. It was fucking ridiculous. 
I'm at the end of the summer because I would go there. You want to hit the kids who have been there with the provisional troop, not the kids who have only been there for a week. No, yeah. no, no. You hit up the 14-year-olds who are fucking so horny they're ready to fuck a tree, and they haven't been around fucking females for a month. And then you say, hey, man, I got these movies. If you want, you can buy one of them for 30 bucks. Bring it home and watch it on Saturday when your parents are asleep. What do you think about that? And they'd be like, oh, here's $30. And they're like, yes, exactly. Here's your tape. <laughs> and it was, it was great. The tapes cost $30 and the magazines cost 15 That's freaking brilliant, dude. Oh, yeah. It was fucking great. I start off in September with like fucking hundreds of dollars in my pocket. And people are like, did you get a job over the summer? I'm like, kind of. <laughs> hey, how's your uncle doing? <laughs> yeah, right. I thought you were just some horny teenager. Yeah, a business business minded horny teenager. <laughs> Fuck you. 